0: <coughs> At this time, our pastor, Brother Richard Haley. Hey, man, thank you, sir. Well, they're getting me up here early this morning, and I suppose they mean for me to quit early. I'm not sure, but uh, they don't have any control over that. And uh, but uh, I would like to say thank you, to Brother Bud, all of our regular song leaders and so forth have run off, and, and I've just made up my mind, when I resign as pastor, I'm going to get in the music program, <laughs> so I can take a vacation, <laughs> and uh, it looks like they're all on vacation, so I ought to be able to uh, take one if I can get in that program, and, and uh, we appreciate you coming being with us this morning, you have your Bibles be finding your place in First Samuel. Uh, Chapter 17, we'll be reading just one verse there in a few moments, and uh, the congregation is kind of small this morning, but I told the men in the prayer room, I'm just glad God's going to show up, amen, and uh, it's always good to have a house full of people, but it's all, I'd rather have uh, God and a few people than have a house full of people and God not show up, And uh, but he's always been gracious to be here, to be in our services, and to deal with our hearts. If you found First Samuel chapter 17, if you'll stand, we'll read verse 29 for you this morning. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, for your goodness, for your watch care. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity of being able to assemble here with this people. God, would you bless your message now, apply it to our hearts. God, help us to leave here being able to rejoice, uh, say with rejoicing down deep in our souls, it's been good to be in thy house. Father, go with us in every undertaking. Help us always to do that which would please you. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. I know that that's a very short, text verse, and it's taken right out of the middle of a story, but I hope that God will impress us this morning with what David was saying. David was saying, have we not got a cause? And I trust when you leave here this morning, you'll understand we still have a cause. Amen. Now, just a little bit of background, David's father, Jesse, uh, had a lot of sheep, and David was taking care of him, of them and Jesse called him in one day and said, you've got three brothers, your eldest brothers are up fighting in the army and said, I'm afraid they're about to run out of food and I want you to take them something to eat. And so David went up and uh, took the food and uh, he got there. His brothers weren't at all glad to see him. And uh, You know, I want you to know this morning, if you set out to do something for God, everybody's not going to be pleased. You know, when you get saved, you think, boy, everybody's going to be happy, I'm saved. uh, But you'll find out there's some people that's not happy that you got saved. Uh, The Lord calls you to preach or calls you to teach, you'll think, man, how excited everybody's going to be. And then you'll find out everybody's not excited. And so David got up there and his brothers weren't too receptive to him. And uh, uh, David no doubt had great respect for those older brothers as they did in that day. And he uh, wanted their approval. But uh, they said, uh, you know, we know you, David. We know what you've come for. Now, we know what David came for, but his brothers didn't know. David came because, first of all, he learned to love the Lord and obey Him, and secondly, because he loved his father and wanted to obey Him, and his father had sent him. But that wasn't the way that his brothers saw it. They said, David, we know about you. We know about your pride, and we know about your knowingness, and all you came up here for was just to see the battle." I thought about that for a while and I thought about the battle that we're in and in fact if you don't know you're in a battle this morning may I open your eyes to the fact that if you're saved you're in the battle and Satan's always going to oppose you and always going to cause problems in your life and always going to put obstacles before you if you're standing for the Lord and uh, so this morning we're in this battle and and we have a lot of folk that are like what uh, David's brothers accused him of being, won't have just sat on the sidelines and watch what's happening. But the brothers were wrong about David. That wasn't what he came for. And uh, David came and, and uh, uh, you know, uh, oh, for some men and women and boys and girls this morning that would have the spirit David had, when he got there to where his brothers were in the battle against the Philistines. And uh, David took a, a very serious look at that situation. And the situation was that on this hill over here was the army of Israel, God's people. God had promised to be with them and supply their needs and help them in battle. And over here on this side of the hill, across the valley was the Philistines, the armies that were against God and against God's people. And David began to look at those two, and then down in the valley was a big giant. And that giant down there was taunting the people of God. And uh, David began to look at that, and he said, uh, uh, you know, I believe that uh, we ought to go down there and take care of that giant. of course, I'm paraphrasing this. I believe we ought to go down there and take care of that giant. And there wasn't a man in the army, including Saul himself, that was willing to do that. Now, Saul did offer David his armor. But you have to remember, the Bible says Saul was head and shoulders taller than anybody else in his army. And so I doubt if David could have even picked up the armor, much less wore it. And so he began to look and and, uh, he decided, if nobody else is going to take care of that giant, I believe I will. Now God had already kind of prepared David without David knowing God was preparing him. And sometimes God does us that way. We worry sometimes about troubles and trials that come into our lives. And we start to worry, God, why? And a a lot of the time, God is just simply preparing us something else he has out before us. And one day David was out there and he was watching his father's sheep and he saw a lion coming up through there. And I can imagine David looked around and he said, well, there's nobody out here but me. And I don't mean for that lion to get my daddy's sheep. So he went over there and he slew the lion. And time went along and you know, it's hard enough. I wouldn't want the job of slaying a lion, would you? I, I watch lions on television, and that's just as close as I want to get to them. If I go to a zoo and they've got them in a cage, I want to walk over on this side of the path. I, I don't want to get too close to a lion, but David slew what? And then it says later on that a bear came up. Now, as dangerous as a lion is... A bear is more dangerous. But David began to look around again, and he said, Hey, there's nobody out here but me. But I'm not about to let that bear get in my daddy's sheep. So he went over, the Bible says, slew the bear with his hands. Now, all of that, I believe, was preparing David. And when he got out there, and he began to look, and he saw that giant down there, he said, Well, now, God's let me slay a lion, and God's let me slay a bear. I believe it's about time I took on that giant. And I can imagine, now, I'm just imagining this, but I can imagine that God kind of looked down from heaven and smiled and said, David, let's show that bunch of cowards up there with all that armor on how easy it is to get something done when you believe in God. I couldn't help but remember as I read about David here, remembering old Joshua and Caleb back over at Katie Dish. Everybody in the, in the nation of Israel said, we can't go into the Canaan land and take it because there's great walled cities and the giants in there that makes us look like grasshoppers. And they was looking at it from a logical, reasonable standpoint. We can't overcome those. But Caleb and Joshua said, but God said we can have it. And if God said we can have it, we can take it. But nobody else agreed with him. But here was old David, little old bitty strapling of a boy. And he said, nobody else will take care of that giant. I believe I will. And that's where we get to the story. He says to those Israelites, is there not a cause? Now, that wasn't a question. That was a declarative statement. Isn't there a cause worthy to stand for? Isn't there a cause worthy to fight for? Isn't there a cause worthy to die for if necessary? Oh, I wish I could drill that down into the hearts of these young men and women that are in here this morning. I told Brother John the other day, I said, you're going to have to start looking for you uh, some younger doers, but all the doers that I had as I came along have just about gotten too old to do, so we're going to have to get some younger doers. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you had not been in the church work for long, but but David was out here, and he, he believed God, and, and he said to his brothers, there's a cause that's worthy to stand for. Now I want to say to you this morning, nothing has changed. There is still a cause that's worthy to stand for. There's a cause that's worthy to live for. And I'll tell you, if if the cause is not worthy to live for, I can tell you right now, you won't think it's worthy to die for. Now, we've lived in this country of America, I, all of, most of us, all of our lives. And God's been exceedingly good to us. Abundant blessings, materially and otherwise. I think about those men and women, somebody mentioned a little bit earlier, that goes out and, and fights for our freedom. They, they give their time, they leave their families, they leave their homes. They go over there, some of them lose his limbs or eyes or whatever. Some of them lose their lives. Some of them come back home and you don't see anything wrong with them. But they are wounded just the same. They have nightmares that they'll never get over. Why did they do that for? Because there's a cause. And the cause is to preserve your freedom and mind. And I want you to know those men and women deserve every bit of the honor honor, and every bit of the esteem that they can get. I'm 100% for that. But you hear me this morning. That's only a temporary thing. Those battles are temporary. Those sufferings are temporary. They may last them a lifetime, but there's coming a time when life will be no more. But the battle that we are in is an eternal battle. And the things that we do or the things that we refrain from doing is going to have an effect eternally. And David said, is that not a cause? And I asked you this morning, is that not a cause? Is that not a cause worthy to sacrifice for? No. Oh, if, if we could begin to see that ourselves and begin to convey to those that are coming after us. and Remember, God had promised Israel that he'd take care of them. But here they stood, afraid to launch out and to do battle against the enemies of God. You'll say, what a terrible thing. But I wonder how many of us today are standing against the immorality and the sinfulness of the world in which we live. Sometimes we give approval to those things simply by remaining silent. Right. Somebody said in the past that all it takes for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Right. And it seems to me we live in that time. Evil is triumphing because we who believe in what's right keep our mouths shut and stand still. Right. And so... Uh, it is that we are familiar with many now through the ages that had the same conviction that old David had. I remember Daniel. He stood there on the edge of that den of hungry lions. Somebody said they didn't believe Daniel was afraid at all. Now, it'd be hard to convince me of that. I believe in God and I believe he's going to take care of me And I believe he's going to provide for me, but I don't know what his will is for me. If I'm standing up on the edge of that den of hungry lions, it might be God's will that they eat me. And uh, there's a whole lot of difference in fear and courage. You see, courage is not the absence of fear, but courage is when you act when fear is is there, when fear is a part of you. And so I believe that old Daniel probably was a little bit afraid when he looked down in that lion's den. I've heard other people say, I believe old Daniel got down there and drawed one of those lines up, used it for a pillow. I doubt that. Now, maybe I'm trying to measure, as the old saying goes, maybe I'm trying to measure Daniel's uh, potatoes in my basket. But I know what I would have done if I'd have got into that den of lions and been still in one piece, when I'd hit the floor, I'd have backed up over here in one of those corners, and I'd have been just as quiet as I could be. Now, I don't know what Daniel did, but I know this, the lads didn't have an appetite for him. Hungry as they were, they said, we don't believe we'd like to have a dinner of Daniel. And he stayed in there all night and came out because he had stood for God, and God stood with him. Amen. Not too long after that, he had three uh, friends, I guess you'd call them, at least three contemporaries. They were called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They got up on the hearth of the fiery furnace, and they made it known said, we don't know if God's going to let us burn or not, but we do know this, we're not going to deny him. And he They stood down the hearth of that Furnace, somebody said they wouldn't bow, they wouldn't bend, and when they got in the furnace, they wouldn't burn. Amen. But uh, when they got in there, God went in with them and walked around with them. Why? Because they stood for God while they were here upon the earth. And that's what God's looking for today. is some men and women that's willing to stand for him regardless of the cause. Uh, I've heard many stories of those who are willing to do that. We've heard not only of these men in the Bible, we've read, many of us read Fox Book of the Martyrs. There, there's some very uh, stirring stories in that book. There's one of them I remember they took some Christians and they drove stakes in the ground and they tied them to the stake and they put a brush around their feet and they came with a torch and said, if you'll deny Christ, we won't set you afire. And they all said, set her afire. They put the fire to those saints, according to what's in that book. He said they went out into eternity, singing amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Brother, God smiles on that. It may be horrifying to man, but God smiles on it. You know why? Because the devil couldn't take their faith away from them. We read about those, and we read about, there's a story, I've told it before, maybe a couple of times. Perhaps some might not have heard it. There was a preacher thrown in jail over in one of the foreign countries several years back, and uh, they would beat him and try to get him to recant his faith, and he wouldn't do it. And one day they brought his nine-year-old son out in the aisle right before his cell and they began to beat the nine-year-old son and they had him almost beat to death and finally the preacher said I've stood all I stand. I'll do whatever you want me to do and said that little nine-year-old boy looked up at his daddy and blood running down over his eyes and said daddy if you can send it I can and they stood there that man squared his shoulder and stood there and watched him beat that nine-year-old child to death and God smiled. you say you mean God was pleased with that absolutely absolutely pleased with that because of his conviction and because of his stand and because of his courage and that's what God's looking for today I read a story over in the book of Ezekiel Chapter 22, let me see if I can't find that right quick. Ezekiel chapter 22. I know it's in my Bible because I read it this morning. And I don't think I marked it, so I may have a hard time finding it. Here it is. Ezekiel chapter 22. Listen to verse 30. And I sought for a man. That's a non-gender term. God's looking for men and women today. I sought for a man among them that should stand, should make up the hedge, and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy him. And I stopped and left the last phrase off. But I want to say to you this morning, God's still looking for a man. God's still looking for an individual that's willing to stand in the hedge and fill the gap. And the sad story that's told in the book of Ezekiel, the last phrase said, and I found none. Will history repeat itself this morning? As God looks over this audience that's gathered in this place and looks for a man or a woman that's willing to take a stand and say, regardless of what my friends think, regardless of what my family thinks, regardless of what the church thinks, I'm going to make a stand for God. God's still looking for that individual that'll make a stand for Him. So as we think about these individuals that stood for the Lord, who's going to fill their shoes? Who's going to fill the gap that they've left? You know, we we know not only of those that have stood. We know of those that have sold out. I know of several in my lifetime of people I've known that for one reason or another sold God out and went back on him and went back into the world. The Bible tells us of old sincere Peter. I believe he was as sincere as he could be when he stood there at the Last Supper and said to Jesus, all other men may forsake you but not be. I'm going to stay with you. But before the night was gone, he'd done denied the Lord. I remember John Mark that forsook the Lord uh, for comfort of home. I remember old demons that forsook the Lord for the pleasures of the world. Brother Brock sang, I believe it' was he that sang the song the other night. I'm not for sale. Amen. Oh listen, that's what we need this morning. people that's not for sale. You know, there could come an hour, even in some of your lifetimes, when you'd have to make a stand for the Lord. You'll say, Well, I've already made a stand. Oh yeah, we've suffered terribly. Some of us has been cursed. Some of us has had doors slammed in our face. Some of us have been called dirty names. Isn't that terrible persecution? Yeah. How many has ever been put in jail for standing for God? How many has ever been beaten for standing for God? How many has ever seen somebody put to death because they stood for God? I tell you, we couldn't even talk about sacrifice. And I wonder if we came to that place, how many of us would sell out? I pray often, God, would you give me strength? if I come to that place that I could stand? You know, I've heard people standing on the pulpit and say, I'll tell you one thing, just like Peter, I'll never turn back on God. The Bible says let a man take heed if he thinks he stands, lest he fall." We better understand that if we're able to stand in the face of the onslaught of the evil of the wicked one, we have to do it in the power and might of the Lord Jesus Christ and not in our own power. God's still looking for a man who understands we have a cause. I don't have to tell you that our nation has drifted very far away from God. We've never faced the persecution that I'm afraid we'll face in the next few years. We need to make up our minds. Why, did, why was Daniel able to stand? The Bible says he had already purposed in his heart He'd already made up his mind. I believe that you could say the same thing about the Hebrew children. And I believe you could say the same thing about David and all those men that God lists in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. And I read the other day in the Bible, it says, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. Whether you know it or not, this morning, as you said in this audience, you're in the valley of decision you will make a decision before you leave this building. You'll either make a decision that you're going to rededicate your life and make a a new commitment unto God, or you'll make the decision, I'm just going to float along, as I've always done. And I'm just going to let, case whatever will be, will be. What will be your decision this morning? Do you think it's, There's a cause that's worthy to stand for, a cause that's worthy to fight for, and if need be, a cause worthy to die for. I'll ask you to stand if you would, please. Piano player and song leader, come. Brother Bobby, if you'd stand on my right, ask Brother X if you'd turn around on my left. I believe that'll be sufficient for this morning. These men are here to help you. If you want to get saved and don't really understand how, they'll take the Word of God and show you. If you have a question concerning the Word of God, I believe they can answer it. The altars are always open. You don't have to be a member of this church to come and pray. We invite you to just do whatever God lays on your heart this morning as we sing, brother. 271.